You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Let's start off with some uh, new funny Jets news. Um, Apparently, Bill Belichick said that the reason that he decided to trade with the Steelers was because he knew for a fact that the Steelers were going to come up and steal the player that the Jets wanted. And so he actually took a lesser amount. In other words, he gave them a deal just so that they would come up and steal the guy that they wanted. Now, the only reason that... Um, I mean, it's it's funny because it's funny. I mean, it's just Bill Belichick is is screwing him over, but it's, it's significant for several reasons. Number one, remember, the Jets only allowed that to happen by giving the Packers pick 13. So for all the, well, it was insignificant, blah, 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 no, it isn't. You screwed yourself out of a pick. But... Even having traded it back, you still could have got your guy, but you had to do one other thing, and that is keep your mouth shut. Loose lips sink ships. And the uh, the Jets apparently have got some loose lips. Everybody knew who they were going to pick. Bill Belichick knew for a fact who they were going to pick. He knew that the Steelers knew for a fact who they were going to pick. Probably even asked him on the phone, like, hey, man, uh, what's the deal here? They discussed it. They both knew the exact player that the Jets wanted. So... The Jets move back to 15 behind the Patriots. Bill Belichick specifically gave away his pick at a at a bottom bargain barrel price discount just so that they would come up and steal the exact player that they wanted. The other funny part about the story, just for my own personal sake, is the player that they wanted was a tackle. For a team that has all the tackles they could ever need... It sure is funny that um, the pick that they were going to make was a tackle. So, I can't help it, man. I find it all funny. By the way, I don't know if you've noticed, we talk about other things here, not just the Green Bay Packers. We talk about the Jets. Sometimes we talk about Lamar. Sometimes we talk about all different things. So, um, for the people that are saying Rodgers is gone, stop talking about him. No, no, we're going to talk about all different things of interest, especially if they even vaguely uh, relate to the Green Bay Packers. And um, Aaron Rodgers doesn't just vaguely tie into the Green Bay Packers. He he ties in directly to the Green Bay Packers. So that will be talked about a lot. The Jets will be talked about. Every opportunity I have to laugh at them, I will. Same with the Bears. Well, we're not Bears fans. I know we're Packers fans. That's why we laugh at the Bears. It's part of being a Packer fan. So, you know. I know nobody actually cares about covering other topics. It's just, please stop talking about Rodgers. But uh, I just figured I'd clear that up for anybody that was wondering because I'm just bored to tears with hearing that um, that argument. He's gone. Now you're required to stop talking about him. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'll talk about him. I'll talk about the Jets. I'll talk about Brees Hall. In fact, I already did. I've been saying Brees Hall is garbage long before Aaron Rodgers went over there. He's not garbage. That's not fair. But Brees Hall is nowhere near as good as people make him out to be. Right? been talking about the Jets coaching situation for years. Robert Sala, like how that was just a disaster after year one. Like what happened? Like why their defense went backwards. What's up with that? So before we get all pissy pants about, oh, you're just talking about because you look Rogers. I do whatever I want, whenever I want. Suck it up, Nancy. All right. I don't know why Nancy always gets picked on, but it's just one of those things. Anyways, let's, um, now that I got my dig out of the way, let's look at uh, Jordan Love's contract a little bit because we got some of the details it's certainly not as um easy to achieve as i guess i was hoping it would be for jordan love um obviously makes it a much more team friendly uh contract but some of these i'm not going to say they're just out the window but for example a million bucks is contingent on winning the super bowl so we can almost just kind of throw that one out i'm not saying it's impossible but you know the odds are well below 50 percent right uh, winning, oh, oh, excuse me, that's winning the Super Bowl. Um, getting to the Super Bowl is another million dollars. So that's about two million bucks we could probably throw out. There is 500,000 on uh, playing time and playoffs. 65% playing time and playoffs. 65% playing time and one playoff win. That accounts for another million dollars. 
So if we let's just start with the fact that the Packers missed the playoffs. Let's just say that that's that's the first situation. How much money can the guy make? We've got top ten in passer rating, top ten in completion percentage, top ten in touchdown passes, top ten in passing yards. Those are five hundred thousand each. They account for two million bucks. Another million, another million dollars in one of just three, one of just three situations. Just one of three situations. There we go. 65% playing time and the team wins 10 games. So that's 65% he has to hit. Let's just assume he hits that, right? So we'll just ignore that. The team wins 10 games or team gets to the playoffs, which we already said isn't going to happen in this case, or top 10 in passer rating and touchdown passes. Well, the hard part with that is if we win 10 games, we're going to the playoffs, more than likely, right? So you almost have to scratch that one as well. So it's a question of kind of combining two of the... He can get a million bucks if he's top 10 in passer rating and touchdown passes. All right, so that's another million. Then there's 500,000 each, but he can only get three of the four. So he can only get um, 1.5 million here. Top 16 in passer rating. Top 16 in completion percentage. Top 16 in passing yards. Top 16 in passing. So top half of the league. Now, this is sort of that other... This is like the bottom line. In other words, if he's below this, that's kind of bad, right? But let's look at some of these things just to kind of put it into a little bit of context. Now, I'm filtering some guys out here. I'm guessing the Packers would do that as well. You know, you don't want a wide receiver through a single pass and and has a ridiculous passer rating or whatever. That's not going to fly. So I don't know what exact filters they're using, but let's just go with what PFF uses, which is filtering out guys that are not even at 20% of the high. In this case, 20% of 835 dropbacks. Gives us 41 quarterbacks. All right. So the first one, as far as the uh, ability to get some money, is top 10 in passer rating. So if we look at passer rating, the top 10 were Brock Purdy, Pat Mahomes, Tua, Garoppolo, Hertz, Geno, Jared Goff, Joe Burrow, Andy Dalton, Ryan Tannehill. It's so funny, too, when I post things like, I don't know, pretty much anything, grades, whatever. Like, well, you know, that's stupid. Look, look at that list. Well, it is what it is, man. Brock Purdy was number one. Jimmy Garoppolo was fourth. Jared Goff was seventh. Dalton was ninth. You know, you don't have to like it, but it just is what it is. But again, when you look at that list, um, it's certainly not impossible. It's kind of a weird list because, I mean, it's, it's really going to be dependent on specific markers, right? For example, Josh Allen, not in there. Has nothing to do with necessarily being an elite quarterback, but just the specific metrics were not enough to get him where he needed to be. Probably the 17 interceptions by Josh Allen kind of dropped him out of that. Would be my guess. I don't know. But can he get in that conversation? Certainly. In fact, the lowest PFF grade was actually Jimmy Garoppolo. He had a 71.4 PFF grade, which is 22nd in the NFL. So 22nd best quarterback actually did qualify for top 10 in passer rating. Now, if we look at completion percentage, which I actually think he has a pretty good shot at just based on what we know about Jordan Love and based on, um, you know, what we know about, for example, maybe the Packers offense. But if we look at the top 10, it is Geno Smith, number one, then Stafford, Burrow, Herbert, Mahomes, Garoppolo, uh, Matt Ryan, Andy Dalton, Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins. Basically, we're looking for him to be Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> you don't have to be good, but you just just check all these boxes here. But in this case, Matt Ryan was actually the lowest graded of this group. He was actually 30th out of 41 quarterbacks. He was pretty terrible, but he still was just accurate. And if you get these high completion passes for Jordan Love, and he's able to just kind of hit him in stride, which I think he will do, um, I th- certainly think it's at least a possibility. The uh, bottom... Completion percentage was 66.7. So that was sort of the um, the cutoff for last year. Top 10 in passing touchdowns. That one's obviously going to be pretty difficult. Um, there's some, I mean, this is where a lot of guys make their money. So it's not always going to be the easiest, but Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Geno Smith, Kirk Cousins, Trevor Lawrence, Jared Goff, Dak Prescott, Tom Brady, and then Aaron Rodgers and Justin Herbert tied for 10th. The cutoff there is um, 26 touchdowns. Then if you look at uh, yards, again, another one just kind of tough to hit. 
But you got Mahomes, Burrow, Brady, Herbert, Allen, Cousins, Lawrence, Geno, Goff, Hurts, and that's it. Uh, the cutoff there is 4280. Obviously, this all changes. It's not like that's the actual number. That's just what it was last year. Um, I don't know what top 16 in passing means. You got passer rating, passing yards, completion percentage, and passing. I don't know if that's some kind of a metric. You know, like PFF grade, obviously. I don't think they're talking about PFF grade, but whatever. Maybe it is. I don't know. There's got to be some... I mean, again, not passer rating because that's already on the list. But as I sit here and look at it, I, I think... So he's got 5.5 million scheduled for next year, plus whatever this is. I think he hits the 1.5, which is top 16 in these categories. If he doesn't, again, we've got other issues. If we assume the team misses the playoffs, which I guess we're kind of in a tight window here where Jordan Love is good and we still miss the playoffs, but I'm just trying to go through our options here, then it's relatively unlikely that he gets the additional million based on either 10 games playoffs, which we've already ruled out. So a million dollars based on passer rating and touchdown passes being in the top 10. That's unlikely. I would say it's still potentially possible that he gets the uh, top 10 in passer rating and or completion percentage. So we could call that a million if we say both, although it's somewhat unlikely, I guess. But that would be, oh yeah, at the top here, a million for Pro Bowl. And then just straight up 500,000 for the 65% of offensive snaps. So if the Packers miss the playoffs, he's looking at maybe like two to two and a half more million, which would put him at um, seven and a half to eight million dollars for next year for his salary. However, here's the other thing to consider. Although I didn't necessarily appreciate the fact that these were some of these were tied to team statistics. Because I generally like the team, and I think it's a net positive, not a net negative for him. And also considering how the playoffs have opened up to where, I mean, pretty much half the league gets in. Maybe it is half the league. I can't remember. I do think it's, I don't want to oversell it, but I, I don't think it's a stretch in, under any circumstances to say we make the playoffs. And getting into the playoffs would be, let's see, another half million for the playoffs. And then there's another million on top of it. 65% playing time and goes to the playoffs. So that's another 1.5 million just sitting right there, which puts them at what, like nine and a half million again? Another 10 million bucks or so? So, and again, that's, we're talking maybe like nine wins and sneak in. Then don't win any playoff games. If they win a playoff game, another half million. And by the way, it's Pro Bowl, not MVP, which makes it slightly more likely. And that's another million bucks. So I don't know. I, I, I think it's going to be on the low end as far as what he actually takes home. But again, all of this is minuscule to the major picture. There, there's really two options for Jordan Love. And there's only two. And all this other stuff is somewhat immaterial. Number one, he balls out, he gets an actual big boy contract, and he is stupid rich. Number two, he does not, and he flounders around as a backup for a while until he vanishes from the NFL. Those are the two options. By the way, as somebody that has told you, I don't know how many times that I love a good conspiracy theory, um... I like a good conspiracy theory when people are joking around. Why am I seeing so many on Twitter all of a sudden? Like, I've seen like five today. Britney Spears is fake. Like, I mean, and that's the other thing. Like, conspiracy theories used to be somewhat believable. Now it's like way over the top. You know what I mean? I mean, I guess it's not that because you've got this whole deep fake thing or whatever, but like, I just, I just keep seeing stuff. And it's like the most ridiculous explanations ever. Most of them have to do with you know, uh, eradicating the earth, which I don't, I don't understand that one. But then today I saw, um, what was it, Challenger or whatever that blew up in 86? It didn't happen, it was fake, and they found the people. And I, the proof, <laughs> I kid you not, they found a guy in Wisconsin who teaches at UW here. Same name, and kind of looks like him, roughly same age. You want to know what his name is? Not even kidding. Mike Smith. <laughs> So first of all, congratulations on finding a Mike Smith in the world. But second of all, I, I, I just got to ask. So you spent how many billions of dollars faking a thing blowing up for no apparent reason whatsoever, but you never thought to change these people's names? Not even like Dan Smith? Nothing? In fact, it's the same middle initial, Mike J. Smith. Not Mike R. Smith? Nothing? 
These are the biggest super geniuses in the world that can fake some of the most unbelievable things, but we can't change Mike's name to Bobby. By the way, these guys all have completely different backgrounds, so the whole thing is stupid, but it's just like, why am I seeing this? And why is this becoming so popular? Everything is a massive conspiracy now. And the thing that sucks is there's real stuff going on. Maybe that's the point of it. There's real stuff going on that seems like it's fake because it's so stupid. Like, no, that sounds like a conspiracy theory. It's like, I know, but literally, it's a thing. So maybe it's just so that when somebody comes along, they're like, oh, no, that's conspiracy theory. Like, that makes more sense, and I'm not even going to look into it. But seriously, some of this stuff, man, it's all day long. Like, look, I... I and who's, who's watching Britney videos and slowing them down and, like, going back and forth and being like, look, fake, this choppy video. Like, yeah, it looks choppy because it's a garbage video and you're going back and forth. Of course, everything looks weird. And also, again, like all these things, what did we just learn? Let's say you're right, and that was a fake, and it's been confirmed. What did we learn here? What, that she's dead? What are you talking about? Go outside. Go walk around your block, weirdo. This is why I'm rooting for AI, man. People are too stupid. We need an ultimate authority with infinite knowledge that if it decides it's going to just start going pop, 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 and just erasing people, freaking whatever, man. I guess it is what it is. But I am not getting thrown into a freaking camp and executed by one of these morons. No way. Nope. It happened to the Chinese under Mao. That guy was a freaking idiot. He massacred people. The communist Chinese, freaking idiots. Hitler, freaking idiot. It's always a bunch of freaking whacked out idiots with really stupid ideas that go rounding up people and murdering them. You know what? I'm not doing it. If the Terminator wants to do it and his IQ is like 50 billion and he's like, trust me, dude, this is best. It's like, well, I don't like this, but I can't argue with you because you're a lot smarter than me, so I guess it has to be. Fine. But you start coming at me with some four olds campaign or something, dude. I can't wait for the robots. And I hope they start with you because you are so stupid. At least, at least take me last so I can watch you start with them and just, just put them in the re-education camps, all right? I'm not, I'm not even saying kill them. I'm just saying I want to see them go into these camps and be like, listen, you freaking idiot. You're wrong about everything you've ever said or ever believed, and you're wrong, and I can prove it. And we're going to sit in this room, and you're going to watch real information all day long, kicking and screaming. I just don't get it, man. Like, there are so many legitimately stupid things happening. Why do you have to make up stuff? Like, I don't know, man. I just want, I want there to be something I can fight for. You can't find anything? I just want something to believe in. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. Okay, that's fine. Anyways, um, kind of torn. There's something I've been wanting to do for a while as far as beep, 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 boop, ba, beep, bing, a little segment. But I'm going to stick with what we've done for a couple more days and trying to get caught up on some of these calls. And since there's no major news, we'll just go with that. So why don't we take a break here? We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, Ryan. Uh, just wanted to uh, give an updated... Uh, take on how the draft is uh, starting to shake out and the results and everybody's grades on the draft. Mm -hmm. I just think that, uh, you know, I think you're right. I think we got to give some of these guys the opportunity to prove it. I'm not going to uh, talk down or criticize any of these picks. Um, We just got to be optimistic about this. It's a Marathon, not sprint, when it comes to their development. And I think Green Bay is the perfect place for that. Um, the defense, I think, 
could really show out pretty big, even with minimum uh, input from these new rookies. Now, when it comes to uh, the offense, it's a different story. These tight ends are going to have to step in immediately. The wide receiver group, I think there is a ton of competition with these guys. I believe they are going to really push each other, and I'm looking forward to seeing how it all shakes out. So um, that part I'm going to watch really, really closely. Uh, On a side note, um, I did hear about Cole Komet calling uh, Tucker Kraft after he found out he was drafted by the Packers, and uh, it kind of went like this. Um, Hey, Tucker, I want to congratulate you for uh, being drafted. And uh, good luck with all of that. Uh, I know you're going to the rival um, that dominates us, that owns us. But uh, I think it's probably better that you uh, break up with my uh, sister. I don't think it would work out. Uh, I don't like it that uh, she's dating a, a future Packer. And uh, I just think it would be best. Uh, that's just my opinion. And then Tucker responds, uh, I just think I'm going to date her even harder. <laughs> so you can go bleep yourself. That's it. Nice. Yeah, that's going to be a uh, unfortunate situation for Cole Komet with his own family rooting for the Packers and whatnot. But uh, it is what it is, man. Plus, you know, Tucker Craft is going to be better than Cole Komet. So there's that to consider. Hey, JJ. It's Thomas. Hi. I was calling because, uh, you know, I, I didn't see you there on the live stream. I missed you. What are you, t- too good for a Packernet now? I got a party, you, man. You, you think because you got a child that, that you can skip out on us? <laughs> huh? You got, like, friends or something? Got better things to do, like a social life? That was the rumor, yeah. I could... I I had to use my money to kick out Blaine instead. <laughs> I had to fight the law instead of fighting the beard. It is funny. We had uh, the comment section always finds someone to attack, and I'm not sure why that's their favorite hobby, um, but it was JJ, and when JJ didn't show up, they just started in on everybody else. So uh, it was interesting to see. I don't want to say their thought process, because I don't think I ever figured that out, but it's interesting to see how things work in the wild, I guess. Do you know how much just, just animosity that builds inside of me? No. Come on, man. No, I don't. I want to see you there next year. <laughs> if I get invited back. <laughs> or throughout the year. You never know. Thomas, number one merch mover. He's the ultimate, uh, you know, Stone Cold Tom Austin Powers. And so I just, you know, come on. You missed it. Yeah, so JJ wasn't uh, wasn't there. You know, Thomas, if you want, you could uh, message JJ and talk to him personally. I don't think you have to go through these channels and everybody listens to it. But up to you, I guess. Hey, Clayton, it's Thomas. Oh, good Lord. I was calling because I got sick and tired of calling Ryan. This is not, not because, uh, Clayton's phone number. He doesn't have good insight or anything. It's just because... Uh, it's not JJ's yeah. phone number either. Packing it after dark. The Ryan show. Come on. Let's get some new blood on here. Let's get some, some strangest thoughts and opinions. So, uh, yeah, two things. Uh, one question is, what is your favorite Claytonism that you personally produce? And then the next one... I don't remember any of the Claytonisms, because I forget everything, but I know it probably has something to do with Mountain Dew. It's not really... To a baby. ...a question. It's just, all right, I'm going to give you uh, I'm going to give you a imp- impression, impersonation... Sure. ...of Goose uh, during live streams. All right, you ready? I'm, <clears throat> I've been working... I thought, <laughs> I thought I was going to have to guess who it was, and he says, of Goot. Oh, boy. All right, yeah, let's see. We'll see what we're doing here. Something for a while. All right, ready? Ready. Three... Two, one, here it comes. I'm ready. Whenever you're All right, ready. how okay. was that? I thought that was pretty good. Okay, bye. Um Well out of out of ten, not good, I don't think. <clears throat> out of ten. 
So we got one more Thomas Austin. Let's let's just go ahead and do that so we can get to Trevor. I'm gonna touch upon the board game talk once again. Okay. Uh, and I'm gonna just ask. So, well, I never just ask something. I explain them. Okay, I'll yep. get into it. Okay. For board games. Yeah. It takes me a little while to really understand and get into a couple of them. Yeah. But once I do, I've stated before that once I get into knowledge of a game, then it's everybody against me type of deal. Got it. Uh, which board game I experienced wizard. that a lot in my life. I'm not going to brag about it. You just did. Uh, but I'm just that annoying and people just don't like it. <laughs> uh, but so when it comes to like being an adult, and having like an option to play board games mm -hmm. is something that kind of deters you from the mindset of, yeah, I would like to do that, but then I would have to learn it. Does like learning a new board game kind of take away the fun of it? Like you'd have to either practice or you'd have to have it be explained. And well, I don't necessarily like people telling me what to do, even if it's for like a, you know, for the greater good. I just, it's like, ah, oh, let me practice. But then the practice can take a while, especially if it's a long game, and you don't quite get all the subtleties and all the little, like, just, just for gameplay mm -hmm. mechanics. Yeah. You don't quite get it all because you're playing, you know, not fully against somebody. Right. What, uh, what deters you <laughs> or, like, a general person? What could deter a person? Uh -huh from trying out <laughs> things such as board games. Alright, bye. Okay, bye. Um, I don't even think it gets to that point for me. I've realized that when I was younger, things really didn't deter me as much at all, as far as I don't, I don't know what you'd even call it, but um, it's just, everything is stressful. I don't know if it's a me thing now or if it's an adult thing, but it's like, especially with kids and everything else, because maybe maybe it's because when you're a kid, you only have to worry about yourself. And when you're an adult, when you're a parent, you have to, everything is what you have to do. And then also managing what every other human being next to you has to do while also keeping a dog off of everything and keeping the little one from doing, it's just... You, you got to also remember, like, I, I, I tend to be a high-anxiety person, and I think that stems from the fact that my brain likes to try to think of every single possible conceivable option. So rather than just saying, hey, let's play a board game, and just blindly walking into it, I start thinking about, as soon as that comes up, every single step that's involved and how much I'm going to hate it. Right, so immediately I'm thinking about, I don't know, it's sort of like I get filled with stress, and then slowly start to understand why. Like, well, I'm going to have to go over by the front door and open up that closet where all the shoes are, which doesn't even want to open. And then when it does, coats and shoes and boots come bursting out. Then there's a stack really high of board games that are not stacked properly. And I know it's going to be on the bottom. And so I'm going to try to pull that out without that falling all over the place. Then we're going to have to f try to find a place to play. And there is no place to play because every surface is completely covered with junk. And so we're going to have to do all that uh, cleaning and whatnot. Then there's going to be a seating situation because there's a table, there's a couch, and some people are going to have to sit on the floor, and I know I'm not going to want to. Plus, that's just not very comfortable. When I sit on a couch, I like to sit back. I don't want to have to sit up the whole time. And I'm going to want to watch something on TV because this is very boring and kids take forever, but I'm not going to be allowed to. It's going to be like, no, no TV time. This is family board game time, and I don't want to do that because it's going to be just staring at the wall for 45 minutes and telling my kids, come on, hurry up, let's go. It's your turn. And I don't want to have to do that. Then there's a the whole setup thing. We've got a little one who's not going to want to play and is just going to be stealing things and ruining the whole game. And that's going to defeat the whole purpose. I've got another one that's just got ADD to the extreme. She's just going to be going in la-la land la, 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 all day long. The older one's going to be having an attitude just like me, but much more overt. I'm going to hide mine because I've learned through the years of marriage that just keep it to yourself kind of thing is at least as best as you can. She has not. So she's going to verbalize every horrible thing about this situation. My son is much like me, but it's just, you know, it's, it's like... Uh, gonna be snapping it like let's go let's go let's go let's go and i gotta keep him in line even though he's just repeating every single thing i'm saying and then my wife whose idea this whole thing was to do this is also going to be like my daughter where she's on her phone the whole time she's not paying attention to what's going on 
And then all the pieces and all the setup, and I don't want to have to set up the board game. You got to get it out. And then, of course, the table's just big enough for the board, so stuff's going to have to go on the floor. And then you're going to have to, like, I don't remember, like, how much money do you get? Well, give me the instructions. You got to read the instructions and figure it out. And it's like, well, let's just do whatever. No, I don't want to just do whatever. Let's do what the game says. Give me a second here to find, okay, fine. Why don't you just start sorting out? Oh, no, I want to do it. I mean, let me do it. Shut up. And let me read this for a second. Oh. <sighs> So then you, you finally get to the point where all the pieces and everybody picks and everybody's fighting about what pieces they get and what do we do and how do we do? No, when I, well, when I was a kid, I played it like, I don't care what you did when you were a kid. I'm reading the instructions. You were wrong. Everything about your life is a lie. Shut up and let's play it right. So then we get everything set up and then nobody wants to play and everybody's in la-la land and we don't even want to finish. And it's like, what are we doing this for? That goes through my head in a millisecond and I get stressed out and I don't want to play. That's what happens. And that's most things in my life, and it's why I tend to not do things. Because it's not just like, hey, wouldn't that be cool? And you think about the end result and like the whole Hallmark uh, movie thing where everything's like amazing. Like, hey, we should go to someone's house and have a cookout. And I'm just picturing like perfectly manicured gla uh, grass and glasses of lemonade and perfectly cooked ribs and just kicking back with well-behaved children. No, I'm not picturing any of that. I'm picturing, I don't know how to get there. We got to get the kids in their shoes on and get them all dressed and get them in the car and blah, 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 and I don't want to do it. And then what time are we going to get out of there? I got work tomorrow. I'm tired. I don't want to have to do that. I don't want to fight with you about all this stuff. You see what I'm saying? So what deters people from doing things? It's, it's the things part. It's the steps. And there are very few things that are worth the steps. And then you got to get back. Oh my goodness, we got to go all the way back. Rounding up kids, do you know how long that... That was one of the things that was hardest when I first... Um, when I got married, my wife had a daughter. So I was a husband and a dad all at once for the first time. And I didn't know how to, how to be anything other than just a selfish guy that does whatever he feels like. It took so long to just do stuff. Like, it used to be like, if I could convince myself to go to the store, I would just do it. You slip your shoes on, you get in your car, you drive, you grab just the stuff you want, you know exactly where it is, you grab, 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 you go to the checkout, you pay for it, you get in your car, you go home, you throw the groceries on the floor, you don't even think about it, you just start eating right out of the bag. If you got fridge stuff, you probably did something wrong. And that's it. Now it's like, oh, we gotta, like, you know, make sure everybody goes to the bathroom and get your socks and shoes on, and why did you take your socks off? Please stop doing that. Where are your shoes? Every, oh my goodness, the where are your shoes? And the, you know where the shoes are? In the most random places. There's one down the hallway. There's one under the kitchen table. That's where the shoes are. Why don't you tell them to put their shoes away? I do. Every day. And then you realize, like, it's like, well, you just got to be more strict as a parent. You just got to punt. All I would do all day long is just beat kids all day. That's all I would do all day long. Or they would just live in their bedrooms if we're doing timeouts. Just, they would just stay in there forever and they'd never come out. You'd bring them, you'd slide them trays of food under the door. They'd never come out because they're kids. They don't listen. They don't think. They don't know how to. <sighs> so yeah, that's why I don't play board games much. Tom, you have to know what I'm talking about. All right? You have to know. Okay, so here's my second take on Tucker Craft. Um, he is the only guy that in my final mock draft, uh, the Wednesday before the draft started, uh, he's the only one that I did get correct. Nice. Um, there are just a couple of reasons why I really wanted him. I thought that he did offer that kind of uh, blue-collar mentality, toughness, sure. that uh, they do really need on that line uh, for a blocker. Um, playing in a cold environment in South Dakota State uh, is another thing that I think this guy's got good hands in cold weather. And he, he's, he's grown up in South Dakota, and uh, I think he can handle that. Uh, cold temp games very, very well. Um, then on the flip side, um, he played for South Dakota State, which is where my wife is from mm -hmm. and where her, uh, a lot of her uh, family actually went to South Dakota State. So there's a lot of jackrabbits, uh, in her family that, uh, were rooting for him and the whole state actually. Um, but, uh, I got some South Dakota State gear, um, that I've had probably over the last 10 years that I've, uh, randomly got over the year for Christmas and stuff, so I'm going to definitely rep uh, the blue and gold when he's wearing the green and gold, um, and uh, I hope the best for him, and I, I think uh, we really got a good quality Packer mentality type player. I know a lot of people weren't high on him, 
But we look at, you know, in the past, how Green Bay picks guys. I mean, who would have thought Jordy Nelson out of Kansas State, this white farm boy who ran track, uh, would turn out to be one heck of a white lightning legend. And guys like Driver, who came from this Alcorn State, and are like, what the heck? Where is this guy? I mean, don't dismiss these small schools, guys. Yeah. These guys come to play, and they have a chip on their shoulder, and they're just as hungry as these guys that come from the big schools. So don't underestimate them. That's all I can say. So go craft, go. Oh, no. <laughs> We're already to that point, huh? To go craft, go. Yeah, I did watch a little bit of Tucker Craft today. Not a ton. I still I still haven't had that, like, oh, dang kind of moment. I think one of the hardest parts about um, tight ends in particular is they all look so slow and lumbery. It doesn't mean that they are. It's just how they move. They Everything is slower. Everything's, like, in slow motion. Even the fast ones like Musgrave, they don't look fast because they got these big, long legs, and there's just these long striders, and it's like it looks like they're moving in quicksand. So there's there's got to be more... Um, a closer look and a closer watch for a little bit more of that nuance. And I wasn't watching super close. I had a bunch of other stuff going on, the kid down here and everything. But um, still working on the Tucker Craft thing, man. I know that's uh, Jake's making me feel all self-conscious because he's like, well, that one speaks for itself. I shouldn't have to help you. It's like, oh, dang it. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't get it, all right? But I do like it. I like that we got two tight ends, especially from a very deep, talented uh, tight end class, supposedly. And so, yeah, I'm... Uh, Hopeful for big things, and I just saw, it's NFL Rums, which is not a super real account, but um, fingers crossed, he said that uh, Mercedes Lewis is not expected to go to the Jets, he is expected to be back with the Green Bay Packers, so um, I know a lot of people, what's the point of that, we don't need him, fair enough, I wouldn't hate it, you know, I you know, it, it, first of all, we don't have any veterans anywhere, which again, there's positives and negatives to that, but um, just, just getting the tight ends on the right footing, you know. I, I tend to think it's not going to happen and that he's wrong about it, but um, if it did happen, assuming that this is fully understood to be a, you know, your, your primary goal, I mean, you know, obviously help the team multiple ways, but y you are to be a mentor to our tight ends, you know. It's obviously a big part of what we're doing here. He understands that as much as anybody, and, and considering the draft capital we just pumped into that room, we now have a second-round pick and two third-round picks there. Certainly would hope for... Uh, some some positive results there. Uh, just finished up one of your podcasts, Brian, and uh, you had made a really really good point to mention that uh, you know in the past two years, Green Bay has selected five players, and then again four players from the Senior Bowl. Um, I think watching talent uh, that is you know what you consider the next level talent play against next level talent uh, really does give you a much better barometer to what these guys can do and watching uh, Reed's uh, routes that he ran and lining up against a, a cornerback and just completely blown by him uh, really really impressed me so there is some really good tape on these guys watching that senior bowl uh, that I would really implore people to go and watch uh, to see what these guys can do and yeah. You have to give Musgrave uh, a lot of credit for playing when everybody else is telling him don't play. Right. Um, this guy wants to play even though he's not 100% and prove that he can do this. And uh, I truly don't think we've really seen just the, the tip of the iceberg of what his talent really is. I know that uh, Green Bay loves to pick the project guys, but, hey, um, again, this is a really great team for that kind of development to happen. So I'm really excited to see what he can do. So, again, uh, really keen on the highlighting just how good Green Bay does with their draft and their scouting uh, when they are keen in on guys at the Senior Bowl that really have something to prove and really have something to give at the next level. So... I'm out. Yeah, that's what. That's another thing I need to do. I know. I remember doing that last year because Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson were there, and I, I remember really liking Watson and being surprised how much I liked him, like at the goal line. You know, 
Um, really did not expect that. Uh, and then with Dobbs, I think it was like early on he struggled, but then, you know, it was like day two or something. He he had a much better day and was was kind of cooking some people or whatever. But something to that effect. I don't know, but it, it's great to be able to watch that. Um, it's cool too because you you see the Senior Bowl stuff, but you don't know who, if anybody, the Packers are going to be taking from that. Now you go back and watch it, and it's like, oh man, that's you know we we friggin' drafted that guy. But you think about it, and you know the Packers and pretty much every team, what they'll tell you is the 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 tape is the only thing that matters. Well, I mean, if if, if that is true, then there shouldn't really be any team, Packers or otherwise, that prioritizes things like the Senior Bowl or these visits, which now we're at kind of two years in a row with a pretty high um, rate of guys that were top thirty visits ended up getting drafted. Um, and I remember, I think it was. Matt LaFleur or somebody was asked about it and more or less just said, yeah, it definitely is helpful to be able to get your hands on these guys or whatever. I really think for some of it, it just comes down to confirmation, right? Of course they trust the tape, but you trust the tape on like six, seven, eight, nine guys that are in that spot when you're drafting. You're going to prioritize the guy that you watched at the senior bowl cook everybody. You know what I mean? Because everybody, you, you watch the tape and you like them, but you've got your doubts and your reservations and your concerns. If you saw them do it at the Senior Bowl against competition and they're confirming everything that you thought you liked about them, and then, for, for example, you get them in for that top 30 visit and they're able to further confirm or, or other people to, for the first time, if they weren't at the Senior Bowl, whatever, confirm, I just think it helps. It's going to push you over the edge. So, yes, it's all tape, but when you're staring at prospects to choose from and you have a couple to choose from and you've got this guy we really liked and this guy we, re- we really liked, but we saw one of them at the Senior Bowl just torch everybody. I mean, that's the way we want to go, you know? That's my thought process on it. I don't know. And, and obviously not every team operates that way, including I think the, the Packers even recently haven't always done that. You know, it, again, it, the last two years they've been pretty heavy on the visits, maybe not as much prior to that. but And that, that honestly could just go back to, you know, if they didn't weigh it very much and then you go back and look at it and go, man, we, we should have taken some of those guys, you know? And so they're changing the way that they go about things. But, you know, not everybody's going to be able to draft everybody from the Senior Bowl. But the Packers seem to prioritize that, and I certainly have no issues with it because it seems to be working out just swimmingly. Hey, Ryan. So I had two things. Um, first, you know, we gave we gave all the extension, obviously, not the fifth-year option. I got no problem with it, but I don't know. The fact that people will be mad, like, Roger dead cap it is $40 million this year. That's yeah. what you need to be mad about. <laughs> right. So, best-case scenario, Jordan Love is very good, and that $22 million next year or whatever it is about that is a steal. Worst case scenario, he sucks. And if, if we're moving on a quarterback, he sucks bad. So if we're cutting him and taking a 22 million dead cap it, guess what? We probably have a top five pick on top of our other capital, and we're going to get a new quarterback. And we have a rookie on a very cheap contract. Well, and that's, that's kind of two great points. Number one, the dead cap hit is a significantly bigger issue. But yeah, number, number two is, you know, we can focus on this from a Jordan Love standpoint. You know, he's our guy. We want to support him. We want to love him and all that stuff. And, and we could have given him more money. But from a team perspective, could this go- have gone any better from the standpoint of the Green Bay Packers doing what's best for the Green Bay Packers? I don't think so. There are very few steps along the way where you look at it and go, yeah, but if this happens, we're in trouble. I mean, considering the Aaron Rodgers thing is done, considering the draft capital we got for that, considering the fifth-year option situation is resolved, what is the one big tripwire we're staring at right now? Like I said, if he's terrible, we have a great pick. Not only do we have a, a good Packers pick, but we get the Jets pick, which likely, again, is going to be a first-round pick, even if it's a slightly later one. If we're staring at, like, pick six in the draft and pick 19, can do some serious damage with that. If he's mediocre, I mean, that's that's kind of a tripwire no matter what. I mean, I assume you hang on to him because you want to give him some, some time to grow and you, you just kind of deal with it. Of course, you're always looking in the draft if some stud happens to fall because it's a loaded quarterback class or whatever. You maybe consider it, but I mean, that, that's, that's not really anything that's in anybody's control. I mean, mediocre quarterbacks are the bane of the NFL. <laughs> Because there's only probably 10 good ones. So if you've got like the 16th best quarterback, it's like, well, what do you do? I don't know. But yeah, we, we are in a great situation kind of at all points here. And a $22 million did cap it for love, which is still half of Rogers' $40 million this year. So I don't know. I, which I don't even think the dead cap it would be $22 million because I think there's incentives and stuff. I haven't really looked at it that close. But um, that's my first thing. 
And then second, you you talked about it, and I've noticed it too. Like kickers in college are just never very good. Right. Like, how does any kicker in the NFL become like such high percentage kicker? And I just wonder what what is there some difference? Like, are are the blocking is the blocking not as good in college from the line? I don't know. So there's more blocks and there's more disruption. Are the holders not as good because they don't focus on it as much? So the holds aren't consistent enough for them. Or is I know the balls are the same size, but is there some type of difference? You know, is the ball in the NFL harder or softer? Or, it's definitely not softer. The NFL balls are really hard, but is it maybe harder and that makes it easier to kick straight and kick better, farther, and everything? So I don't know. I just feel like there's got to be some type of uh, disconnect there where they actually get better in the NFL. You know, if they're a good kicker. So I'm just kind of curious. Regardless of his consistency and all that, was he at the top of? the college ranks in terms of kicking, you know, or does that even matter? I mean, is it more about having the power and the ability and then everything's so much more like a machine in the NFL there that they're so much better at the snap hold, all that block, which I say the NFL is the Packers aren't, which, you know, it's been getting better with the Sashi. Uh, so anyway, I don't know. I just feel like there's gotta be a disconnect there. Um, I just wonder like if you go look at the great kickers that there are like sucker even for Baltimore, what, what would you like in college? I'd love to know. Uh, go back up. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I guess what I was surprised about, you know, because Jake Moody is the guy that everyone's like, oh, man, he's, like, legit. Everybody else is kind of, eh, whatever, you know, but Jake Moody is the dude. So I just assumed the guy was just lights out. Now, he was 100% on extra points, which that's obviously a big thing, but he's, like, two of six from 50, and he was the ninth best kicker, which, you know, I mean, again, there's a billion kickers, so it's not a bad thing. But I, I guess I just expected him to be better. Then you got, you know, Chad Ryland was the next best one. Well, he's down here at 16th. Now, some of these guys are not coming out, so maybe, the, you know, they're going to be the next third-round pick, whatever. But he's down here at 16th. He's also, he's, he's at 3 of 6 from 50 yards. Uh, he's 38 of 39, so pretty close to 100%, which, by the way, most of these guys are 100% on extra points. But, you know, there's a guy, Christopher Dunn. I don't even know where he went. Uh, we should look, but he was number four on this list. He was actually the highest graded via PFF. 100% PAT, only missed one field goal out of his 25 attempts. So 30 for 30 on extra points, 24 of 25 on field goal attempts, and that was a 40-yarder. He's he's 100% from 50, 8 of 9 from 40, and hit everything else. So, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it like, what is what what am I missing here then? Like, why is Jake Moody worth a third-round pick and Christopher Dunn from NC State, who is the highest graded, highest percentages, is not worth any of that. I'm guessing undrafted free agent. And then you look at the Packers, and it's like, well, where's Anders Carlson on this, even on this list? Oh, you got to scroll down to 111. He was 100% for his extra points, but was, uh, what, two of three from, from 30, which should be pretty automatic. Four of seven from 40, and 0 for one from 50. You know, like what... What did you see in the guy? I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad pick. I'm just like, he's down to 111, which means there's, there's maybe, what, 40 guys that graded better and probably had some better statistics or whatever, you know, assuming a lot of these guys are going back to school, but call it 30. 30 guys like, hey, I'll come kick for your NFL team, and all 32 teams are like, nah, dude, you're trash. Like, what? What was it about Anders Carlson that the Packers thought it was worth the pick? Again, I'm not opposed to taking a kicker, but I don't know what it was about him. And I'm not saying that it's wrong. It's just there's something about the way that they do things that is clearly not just 100% tied to the statistics, right? And yeah, you got to look at every single kick and know the situation and, you know, the, the, the wind, the weather, all of that. Looks like the Rams got Christopher Dunn, by the way. But yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be, you know, you got Rich Bisaccia in there watching tape. And I don't know, like, I'm, I'm guessing the scouts have to know how to scout special teams as well. It's not like, dude, I don't know, I do offense, defense, I don't do this kicker stuff. But there's got to be a book on, like, scouting kickers somewhere. Some dusty old thing in the back of the, the library there, looking at, like, the technique and the setup and the, I don't know what. I'll tell you what I can do, though. Let's, let's, why don't we look at SIS? SIS is perfect for this. Although I do wish they had some better weather selections they don't have. They don't have much here. Now, I'm going through the situational stuff. I'm trying to get some uh, better news, and I'm just not finding it. Um, I mean, the, the part of the issue is there's really small sample sizes. And also, with Anders Carlson, 
I think part of the deal is similar to a lot of the guys we drafted. He was elite elite in 2020, right? So this is another one of those taking them at their best kind of situations. He had a 68 grade in 2022, but um, just like looking at his, uh, if you look at fourth quarter or overtime, right? Well, he drops from 70% down to 66%. So he got worse. But you go back to 2020, he was at 75%. Again, small sample size, but he kicked three of four. One of those was from 50 yards out he made. Again, this is just fourth quarter and overtime. If you look at fourth quarter and overtime with a score differential between negative three and zero, um, obviously we're really narrowing it down, but Anders was 50%. Both of them were in the 30, um, 30 range, so 30 to 39. Made one, missed one. But, I mean, I'd be in here looking at a guy like Cade York. I don't know if he came out or what the situation is from 2020, but um, he was 100% of his field goals were made. One from 40, one from 50. We're talking fourth quarter or overtime down three or less, you know? But I I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, he had an 88 grade in 2020. Um, he made 24, uh, 23 of 24 extra points, 18 of his 20 field goals. He's only, he, in his career, he's four of 16 from 50 out. I, I don't know. I don't know. This is one you'd have to put your, the feet to the fi fire for Gutekunst and the staff and be like, all right, explain this one to me like I'm a five-year-old. The guy hasn't made a 50-yard kick since 2020. He's made four of 16. Help me understand that one. Because as a Packer fan, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, if it's a 50-yarder and it's Mason Crosby, I'm thinking, fairly good chance. What, like 55% in my brain? Even the pessimistic brain I have? Now I'm looking at it going, Anders Carlson? Pfft, good Lord, there's no chance. But I know they're not completely complete idiots. Like, oh, shoot, I didn't, I didn't look at the stats before we drafted them. That's so weird. So I don't know. I, I can't answer you with anything kicker, punter related, really. Oh, I found another slow motion video. Who's watching slow motion videos of everybody? There's a slow motion video of Joe Biden. Granted, it's, it's uh, I want to see the sped up version. Slow motion makes everything seem super cool. I want to see the thing in fast motion. I don't, I don't even entirely know what we're looking at here, but I think the implication is like he's a uh, android or something. I don't know. I'm not sure what, we're, what we learned today, but... Um, Quite positive, skin gets pretty elastic, you know, when, you, when you're 117 years old, or however old Joe Biden is. I gotta go find a video of this, because that's, <laughs> that is pretty crazy. But you gotta wonder, like, if, if you're, if you've made it your mission to watch everybody in slow motion, anytime you see anything, you gotta be like, dude, I found it. You know what I mean? I was thinking about that the other day, when I was uh, looking at the Loch Ness Monster, because I was contemplating making a uh, Lucas Van Ness Monster or something. Something like that. I don't, I don't know. But I was, just, I was just looking it up. And I was like, I can't imagine. Can you imagine like sitting in a boat, just staring at water? Like, come on, dude, where are you? You know what I mean? And then you get super uh, self-conscious about it. Or not self-conscious, but uh, paranoid. Because you would have to assume like this Loch Ness Monster thing is out there, right? And he just barely kind of like pokes his head out once in a while. And it's maybe like, what, once every 50 years, considering the last legit photo I saw was... Well, I guess black and white, we're talking maybe let's call it 100 years. Once every 100 years, what if you weren't paying attention? That was it. How would you know? Maybe it happened yesterday when you were sleeping, and you're just wasting your time out there. Imagine how horrible it would be if you were wasting your time out there. I don't know. Anyways, I don't want to end on that note. So, Trevor, you got something else for us, man? Hey, Ryan. Just uh, You're talking about the 40-yard dash thing, and I, just, I don't really understand why the 40-yard dash is still used as an NFL metric. Um, it seems kind of silly to me. You said a lot of people are looking, removing the 10-yard split now, which makes way more sense because you're looking at the 30 yards after that, after the first 10, because it removes the variability of your reaction time, which I get reaction time is important, but, like, that's what that, like, new 22 whatever test is for, right? Um, but, like, think about it. When somebody, you think, oh, they're going to be real fast, and then they run a 4.37, it's like, oh, they were real fast. But if they ran a 4.42, you'd probably be like, ah, eh, they weren't quite as fast as we thought. We're talking about 0.05 seconds. Yeah. Like, they could literally have ran it the same exact speed very easily, and one got off the line so, so minusculely slower that you wouldn't even really notice that much on video. Like, if you watch on video, somebody took off, and another person left the line 0.05 seconds after them, it'd be so small, but it still makes that difference. So, I don't know. It's just like you're, you're, you're factoring in the reaction time to the gun, not how fast they run. 
So I like looking at it without that first 10-yard split. Um, like you said with uh, Musgraves, it, it shows how fast he actually is. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've never been big on the 40-yard dash time. Um, I'd rather just see how fast somebody actually is. Than, you know, because it, it, you, you start playing that game. Because I ran track in high school, not that I'm not a 40-yard dash guy, but um, <clears throat> I'm not that fast by any means. But it's just like you're anticipating. You for any start of any race, you're trying to anticipate that gun, right? And if you start to fall a little early, and then the gun goes off, well now you're on your heels and you're not ready, and it's just like there's so much variability into your start. Um, and now I somehow spent two minutes talking about this. That's far too long, and I apologize. But uh, yeah, go back go. No, that does make a lot of sense. I, I could not factor or figure out why people kept talking. Again, I never even really dug into it. I just saw people talking about that. But that does make sense. You're essentially looking at starting at the 10 yards, the 10 yards, because we're assuming at that point, you know, that, that sort of variability or whatever is gone, and you're kind of up to speed, possibly, I don't know. I'm guessing if you weren't necessarily up to speed by then, we could just kick it out further. I, I, I don't know. But I, I guess I do kind of wonder, I mean, there is an, because again, like you said, we're talking about minuscule numbers. So if we're removing that, because there could be a difference of, of you know, 0. 0.05 seconds or whatever, I get that. But I also wonder if there couldn't be larger variability that is relevant information. You know what I mean? Like your explosion off the line is relevant. Let me, let me, let me put this visually for myself so I can make sense of this. And I don't know how these numbers correlate. I'm just kind of making these numbers up. But let's say you've got a guy that runs a 1-5-1, 10-yard split. And then a four four one. The other guy runs a one five nine and a four four four. So in other words, the difference in ten yards split time is point zero eight seconds. The difference in forty time is point zero three seconds. So the guy that ran a four four one is faster than the guy that ran a four four four. If we just assume that the ten yard split is the difference in that is, uh, we're we're, we're going to eliminate it because we want to eliminate the variable of of people getting off to a slightly slow start from the gun. Well, if we do that, then the second guy who ran a 444 is actually faster. But what if the guy that ran the 4 uh or excuse me, the 151, it wasn't getting off the gun slow. In fact, we don't we we they're they're kind of different things. You could say we're just removing the variability, but not necessarily. If part of your speed is predicated on getting off the line quickly, you're going to be hurt by that. So what if they actually got off the gun the exact same time? The person who ran the 441 is faster but is getting penalized, right? I mean, we're we're eliminating a variable, but we're all it, it's sort of a throwing out the baby with the bathwater thing. Would be my thought. I don't know. It's sort of like if you just picture the two runners, you got the one guy who's really fast off the line, the other guy who's a little bit more of a of a long speed guy who starts catching up but doesn't quite get across the line fast enough. Now, if this was a 50-yard dash or a 60-yard dash, the other guy probably would have beat him, which is I guess why similar to your to your point about 40-yard dash being stupid. It's stupid for a lot of reasons. You know, there's the the gun timing and all that, but then there's also just depending on what point in time you catch it, who's faster, right? So at 30 yards, the one guy's significantly at, at 10 yards this guy's significantly faster, and as you go down, at about 45 yards, the other guy passes him, and now at 50, 60 yards, not that very many times you're going to run that far, but suddenly the other guy's faster, even though he runs the, you know, 4-4-4 as opposed to the 4 4 one. You know what I mean? So, I, I don't know. It all is kind of stupid. You would love to be able to put, like, a tracker on a guy to be able to just see the full variability of speed, you know, because there are a lot of variables. There's, like, the quickness off the line. That, it, that There's also just, like, getting off the line, which is not the easiest thing to do. You know, maybe the 444 guy is a little bit stronger and can kind of push his way through contact better and get down the field faster. But then again, if you're sort of that get up to speed faster guy, that's going to be good on these shorter, you know, even if it takes you a minute to get past the guy, the ability to get up to speed, once you get around him, you're, you're zero to 60 faster, which would be more beneficial. If you get more of a free release and it's a deep shot, maybe you take the long strider. Then there's like speed in and out of your brakes. You know, there's different speed at different parts of the field, different conditions. That's why, you know, you look at a guy like Marquez Valdez-Scantling compared to Christian Watson, and Christian Watson just on the field looks significantly faster. And it's why some of these guys get drafted in the second round, some of them get drafted in the fifth round. Not all speed-based, but I don't know. It, it, it is kind of a stupid thing. It's fun to be able to look at and be like, dang, that dude's fast, but it doesn't mean anything because there's all different kinds of fast. It's also why I just like miles per hour. Like, just tell me how fast you're going. Because again, how long it took you to get there, 
is like uh, taking what I actually want to know and disassembling it and giving me less useful information. It's like taking the 23 miles per hour and disassembling it and adding in all these variables. Like, no, dude, just put them up to a tracker. They, they should do that, man. They should, they should take that uh, combine. I mean, if they still want to do the 40 time, whatever. But you could put a tracker on the guy while he's doing the 40 time or just have him do it while he's doing the drills. You know how cool it'd be to have a little ticker down on the bottom just to see like what the miles per hour gets up to? I would love that way more than the 40 time. Plus, you can see it kind of going up, so you kind of get a gauge in your head of like, oh, dang, that, that meter's going up fast, as opposed to some of these guys where it just keeps going. Whoa, 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 it's really going. It's still going. Dang. Could even make it like a thing like in a car, you know? I think that'd be awesome. By the way, I'm asking the robot to convert the um, 40 times into miles per hour, and it's, it's actually doing it for me, which is kind of funny. It says, it, it, it gave me an example, and, and again, there's variables and all kinds of stuff, but it says... Uh, roughly, if a guy runs a 4.5, you'd expect his miles per hour on the field to be about 18.18. So I was like, all right, what's 4.37? Because that's apparently what Reed runs. Saying 18.7 miles an hour. All right, so if a guy goes 23 miles an hour, what would you expect his 40 time to be? I think it's just looking at a consistent speed over time. So it's not really working, but interesting enough, I guess. Because it says it would be a 3.56. <laughs> uh, all right, well... I appreciate with that uh, those kinds of calls because it just gets the gears turning a lot on stuff. I, I I probably should just not go through my thought process on the podcast. That way, I can just make myself seem smarter and just be like, "Oh, I know. I've always known these things. I'm a genius. I don't know." But I'm gonna get out of here. You guys have yourselves a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye. Miss you. Love you. Bye.